When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. This is the first podcast of 2023. It's also episode 404. Did you guys notice that before I wrote the email? I'm sorry. The podcast is no. not found. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I, I guess now we have to not do a podcast. I don't know. Or, or we can just try and doing an, an entertaining mixed screen one. I'm going to see you guys if I can. Ever, ever go to Zombo.com? No. Oh, man, Zombo.com. They were weird. Uh, but, yeah, we've got a ton of things to talk about. And just before the podcast, Liz made a very quick, not even a comprehensive post of the stuff that's going on. So I want to start with Diablo Immortal because Diablo Immortal was a big deal this year. Uh, one of the most successful mobile games put out, it, it made something like $30 million in like its first week, some crazy amount of money, like um, almost immediately. Uh, but it was dogged by people who just were not, at all happy with its microtransaction setup or anything to do with it. So yeah. What do you guys think the lessons of Diablo immortal were in 2022? What do you think that that game taught blizzard? I, I think it taught blizzard that they can make a ton of money via microtransactions. And I think we've seen that lesson carried into other games like hearthstone and uh, overwatch. And I, I don't like it. <laughs> I think they, they kind of already knew that because they've been doing yeah, microtransactions for a while. But yeah, this was like realizing this was like if you've, you've, you've been doing something for a while and one day you look up and there's literally a mountain of gold on your, your, your end table. <laughs> and you're like, oh, oh, my. But yeah, that's since you brought that up. Uh, do, you, do you guys think that Diablo Immortal is a part of the whole battle pacification of Blizzard games? Or do you think that that was going to happen anyway? just because of what was going on in the industry as a whole. Personal opinion is I think I, it was the way the industry was already moving. I don't think there was, I don't think there was uh denying it. Every game really has one at, at, at this point that I can really think of that involves multiple players. Uh, it's been around for a while. It's not going anywhere. And it was really only a matter of time that, uh, you know, 
Blizzard started incorporating it more heavily in their games. And I'm going to let Liz talk because I heard her heard her say something there. I mean, basically, I agree agree with you. This is this is everywhere in the gaming industry, and I just I I am not a fan, and I think there are lots of people that aren't fans because the system is you pay for the battle pass, and then you have to earn the rewards on the battle pass, and that's particularly punishing in Diablo Immortal, where the battle pass lasts thirty days. It's like I do not have enough time in my day to finish this battle pass and get the rewards that I paid you for within 30 days. And it's just, it's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say like some, some battle passes are better than others. Like the, and they're not all great. Like, and even the ones that are good are still not great. Like I'll bring up Fortnite's, which is it's longer than most. Like it lasts like, I think six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. Uh, So it's longer than your standard monthly battle pass. Um, But it still has its flaws. Like you still earn, uh, levels and you earn achievements to earn stars and you can buy stuff that you unlock through the battle pass, but you get to customize what you unlock. But at the end of the day, all of it doesn't matter because it's all cosmetics. So, I, I mean, in theory, I'm fine with battle passes coming to Blizzard games as long as they're not pay to win and as long as content doesn't get gated behind them. Graphical stuff like, you know, outfits and stuff like that, or you want to go to the Team Fortress 2 hat route, that's fine. Um, as long as it's cosmetics and it doesn't matter, don't really care. But if it with Diablo Immortal, that wasn't really the case, now was it? Yeah, it actually kind of those interests me because it reminds me of the big dump we got uh, for Dragonflight just before the the year ended. Um, we got a couple of different big announcements about what's coming in 2023. One of which is the uh, trading post, which is interesting to me because it feels to me like the trading post is a battle pass that does exactly what Liz just said. The, you know, the whole thing where you pay and then you still have to unlock it. Well, I mean, I guess we pay um, a monthly subscription for wow. So the trading post doesn't make us pay again. It just, here it is. If you want to do this stuff, you can do it. And I find myself wondering if that would work better. Like if, if in a weird sort of way, companies have been trying to come up with a new thing since subscriptions became unpopular and battle passes are essentially kind of a way to retrofit subscriptions back into these games. They, yeah, kind of, but like this is their the trading post seems like they're doing something that a lot of free to play MMOs have been doing for a long period of time, which is like, oh, sign in, get bonus. Like you get a login bonus, you get daily rewards. Like Guild Wars 2 has been doing this since it released, right? It doesn't have a subscription model. It just you buy the game, you buy the expansion, you log in, but every day you log in, you get something, you get materials or you get uh, like rewards for like XP bonuses or, or rep bonuses. Uh, other games have done that before as well. Uh, Champions Online did that for a while. Um, I think City Heroes did a little bit of that at the end, but that was a whole other thing. But it's, it's not uncommon. Uh, a lot of the Korean MMOs and... Ch- uh, Asian uh, market MMOs have been doing that for years. Uh, Wildstar had it built into it. Like now they're just sort of gamifying it and putting it in. And I'm, I'll let the others talk, but it's just, it's an interesting thing for them to finally start doing it inside of a subscription game. When every other game that's done it for the last at least decade, it's all been free to play games that do it. Okay, Liz. I mean, yeah, basically what Joe said, it's I've heard it compared to a battle pass, but it doesn't feel like a battle pass. You aren't paying for it. It's just 
hey, cool, I can get some new rewards. Let me then move this into the direction I was kind of thinking we would be going anyway. <laughs> and that is, what do we think, how, how much do we feel like Overwatch 2 is the result of Blizzard having learned that, oh, we can make a ton of money off microtransactions lesson and maybe applying it a little too ruthlessly? Like, I, I haven't gotten, like, I, I haven't been playing Overwatch 2. Um, I know neither of you has either all that much. But I know that, Liz, I know you had strong feelings about it. And I think, Joe, you did too. So let's let's talk about Overwatch 2 and what it's been doing. Um, they definitely have a battle pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's start talking there. It's It's just, I don't feel like the battle pass has improved the game experience. Like, so now you're doing the same thing. And Overwatch battle passes are more generous than uh, Diablo Immortal battle passes, which that's uh, not hard to do. Uh, but it's still, you buy the battle pass, you have to log on and play a lot to earn the rewards. And I think the biggest problem with the Overwatch battle pass is the big rewards are at the very end. The big reward so far has usually been a hero. And so, like, the big feature for the game this season could be, wow, exciting, new hero! And then it's like, okay, I have to spend all of my time playing for the next four weeks in order to get far enough into the battle pass to get the hero. So... I don't know if this was like a lesson learned from Immortal, but it's a very frustrating change to Overwatch because so, it used to be you bought the game and you had the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask this then. Do you think part of the problem is, is that they're trying to make you play it like for long periods of time every day? Like, mm-hmm. is, is that the, the issue or is that an issue? Let's say. I think that's what battle passes and things like that are designed to do in the first place. They want yeah, to, but- they want to, to drive your engagement, right? Yeah, but you've, you've pointed out that there are some battle passes that are better and more forgiving than others. Where would you put Overwatch 2s? You, you've said it's more forgiving than the Diablo Immortal one, but where would you put it rank, you know, looking at the entire industry? Um, kind of low middle of the road. Uh, it's not the worst by a long shot, and it's not the best by a long shot because you get a lot of you get gameplay rewards you get big gameplay rewards like i said you unlock heroes like yeah. the battle pass and that means a significant amount of content is locked behind playing through the entire battle pass except okay the trick there is if you pay the money up front you can get that hero immediately so it's almost like a subscription because if you want to access all of the content you got to fork over money and I am of the opinion that I would rather pay a subscription and get the game content than have to deal with this. Yeah, I'm in the same camp as Liz, although I would probably rank it a little bit lower than, uh, you know, lower than average. It's probably maybe one or two rungs up the ladder from Immortal for me. I don't like when content like Heroes is gated behind a battle pass, period. It doesn't matter what the game is. Games that do that really tick me off uh, because all they're it's they're trying to get you to to frustrate it enough that you either grind out a ton of hours in the game to unlock everything, or you're going to give them money, and that is always a frustrating point. And Blizzard has this thing across all of its games, and this is a rant I can go on later with Dragonflight, and Liz will probably join me in this rant. New classes and new heroes are always overtuned, period. They always do this. And this is something that has happened for time immemorial. Like it, Heroes of the Storm did the same thing. Uh, we can go to non-Blizzard games like League of Legends, who does the yeah, used to have a nasty track record of doing this until the last, I think, couple years. And even they still get this wrong, 
where that character that they release is so overtuned that everybody wants to play it. And so if you put it behind a battle pass, you're either forcing somebody to be engaged in your game for an extended period of time, completing tasks or grinding out XP to get to that point, or you're making them buy that character without just letting them buy the character, right? Like there's no alternative currency. You just, you, you basically fork over money for it. Like it's, it's a, I hate when games do that, right? Like it's just, it always feels bad to me. And because it will also just, it encourages, uh, we've used the term whales in the past. And if you don't know what that is at home, whales are a game industry term from all walks of life in the game industry of people that just spend money on video games. They're the ones that people can, that companies rely on to sort of float the more uh, egregious money schemes, I guess you would say that they want to put on players. Uh, the ones that buy like the super ultra uh, rare legendary edition of everything that comes out or has to buy the new, the new hotness. But now they're with battle passes that shifts it away from like the people that are always guaranteed to spend that money to try to dip into the people that don't realize they're spending that money or that they're going to spend that money. I, I it's a thing. I don't like when games gate content behind battle passes, especially when it's stuff like new characters. Okay, then since Liz mentioned this, I'll, I'll jump over to another Blizzard game with a Battle Pass. Uh, Hearthstone put in a, a Battle Pass type system, and, and in fact, I, I think you and Anna were once talking about it, and you said something to the equivalent of now, you know, Hearthstone now has like four different currencies and I, play modes. Yeah, it, okay, Hearthstone has had a Battle Pass for quite a while, but it added a second Battle Pass this year. So now there's a separate Battle Pass and rewards track for kind of standard Hearthstone. And there's a battle pass rewards track for battlegrounds in Hearthstone. And it's like, so it used to be those were kind of combined together. You had battlegrounds rewards on the standard reward track. And now it's just, okay, to get the kind of level of rewards I was getting before, now I have to buy a second battle pass. And it's like, how much is too much? I mean, I think this is really just a problem of Hearthstone being 10 games in a trench coat. It's not one game. It is so many games shoved together. But honestly, it feels but it like seems at this point, it's like, yeah, it feels at this point like it's almost a, a sub Blizzard arcade. After they released the Blizzard arcade last year, they then have Hearthstone, which is also Blizzard arcade. That's a real good way to put it, actually. Yeah, it's like it's a it's a pile of little mini games. I mean, putting mini games is a disservice to them, calling them mini games. But it's like a pile of different games, kind of shoved together, and they have some of the basic core mechanics kind of uh, convert back and forth. But uh, yeah, it's a lot. It's uh, it's yeah, like a lot the mercenary. The mercenary game doesn't very much like anything else. It's not. Yeah, so it's a good. And even Battlegrounds has a completely different gameplay structure. It's an auto battler where you build. Uh, you build a team as you go, and then standard constructed Hearthstone. You build a deck. You play competitively against other players. Then there's adventure mode. Oh, that's I'm calling it the wrong thing. Where which is a single player campaign where you play through, play against the AI. There's a story. You meet new characters. That is almost always really great. They haven't been releasing those lately though. Uh, so there's there's just so much going on in this game, and uh, it's it's turned into a lot of purchases. If you want to have access to everything, you are going to buy the standard battle pass. You're going to buy the Battlegrounds Battle Pass. They have a new event called Battlegrounds Bashes, which is an additional fee in order to earn cosmetic rewards. That's related to holiday events. There's a Battlegrounds Bash for holidays. We've had a couple of them so far, but that's 
not on the battle pass that you paid for. That's a separate payment. Then there is mercenaries where you can pay tons and tons of cash in order to get coins to advance your mercenary or to uh, buy specific mercenaries that you don't have. Then there is an in-game shop, of course, that lets you buy cosmetic items, lets you buy cards. They've added, um, not this year, but they have mini sets to where so you have in between you know, they do three card sets a year, three expansions every year. And in between each expansion, they have a mini set, which is another purchase. So, like, even though I play WoW, you know, monthly, and I pay a monthly subscription for it, I probably spend, to play WoW, I probably spend half of what I spend on Hearthstone. Because it's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pre-order some of these expansion cards. I'm going to buy the mini set because the mini sets are actually a pretty good value for the number of cards they give you. Oh, I'm going to buy the battle pass. Oh, I'm going to buy the battle dragons battle pass. And that adds up like each expansion. If you want to pre-purchase a bunch of cards, you don't have to, but if you do those start at $50 and go up from there, the mini sets or are $20. The battle passes are $10 each. 10. So, so you're paying 20. If it's 10 each, then two to, there's two battle passes, yeah. so you've had to pay 20. Yeah. Plus, the, then there's the other thing for the battleground bashes. Is Yeah, the battlegrounds bashes have been 10 each so far. And it's like, what? So I'm paying 150 for expansions, plus another 60 for mini sets, plus um, uh, like three battle passes a year for both battle, three battle pass seasons per year for two battle passes. So that's another $60. I pay way more for this game than I pay for WoW. It is kind of like all of these microtransactions really add up. And I'm not I'm going out of my way not to spend money on mercenaries, which is a really expensive game mode to advance through. Yeah. And it, it's just crazy. It's crazy how yeah. many transactions there are in Hearthstone. I remember going back to Immortal for a second uh, before we jump into some other stuff. I remember when I started playing Immortal, I, I made it a pledge to myself that I would not spend money on anything and i i kept my pledge for three months and then i broke one day and i just bought some orbs and then i installed it because i was like no <laughs> they got me then they'll get me again and i just yeah i don't know why the trend the, the microtransactions in immortal were the first time i ever felt preyed upon but what you're describing in hearthstone i'm kind of glad i didn't play hearthstone much because yeah that that sounds like straight up you know, I'm in a pen and, and Blizzard like is you know, coming in every so often and leading me off. It actually doesn't feel as predatory as Immortal feels because Immortal has that thing where it's like, oh, I beat a certain boss. And it's like, wow, do you want to buy this bundle for this specific boss? It's mm -hmm. only a dollar. And then it's like you beat the next boss. And it's like, do you want to buy a bundle for this specific boss? It's only three dollars. And it like keeps yeah. doing that. Yeah. And whenever, whenever you log in, it's like, come to the store to get your free reward of the day. And it's like, but you've got to come to the store. When you go to the store, it's advertising tons of, like, it's so full of advertisements. Mm -hmm. yeah. Hearthstone actually doesn't, doesn't put it in your face. And you can play the game without spending any money if you want to. There is a free rewards track for both of those battle passes, as well as the paid rewards track. You can buy cards with an in-game currency rather than spending real cash. Uh, you can advance through the game without spending money. It's not like Diablo Immortal where you get stuck and you can't advance as quickly. You hit the hard, without, the hard wall uh, on Immortal, yeah. Yeah, Immortal has a hard wall. And it's not like Overwatch 2 where you, if you don't pay up front, you have to put in a lot of work to unlock heroes. So I think 
like it annoys me that Hearthstone has added and added and added and added more transactions, but it doesn't feel like predatory in the same way Immortal does. All right. Well, right now we've basically come to the conclusion that 2022 had a lot of microtransactions. Uh, but let's talk about some stuff that's not related to that. First up, let's talk about Wrath Classic because Wrath Classic, I think, was the one people weren't sure was going to happen, even though a lot of people wanted it. Um, did you guys expect it? Like, did you think, oh yeah, they're obviously that this is like an, a license to print money. They're absolutely going to do Wrath Classic. Yeah. Or did you think maybe they weren't? I was in the camp of like Wrath was almost a guarantee. The only one that I'm not sure of is Cataclysm because I think everything before Cataclysm is is on the table. Afterwards, like it was. I don't know, but like, yeah, I kind of expected them to go to Wrath, especially because like we there used to be a a term for for a group of players when they would join a game. You would refer to them as, you know, Wrath Babies or Cataclysm Babies or whenever they joined the <laughs> game. Right. Like we refer to them almost like generations of people. And Wrath was a huge one. Wrath brought a lot of people into World of Warcraft. Uh, while Vanilla and Burning Crusade were good, were, were good. They were better than anybody thought they were going to be. But. When you got to North, when you got to Wrath of the Lich King, you started hitting on all of the the story elements that stopped in Warcraft 3, right? All those things that happened with Arthas and, and everything else and him becoming the Lich King. And a lot of players really identified with that because that for, for a specific generation, that was the story of WoW that they were interested in. Now you get to Wrath and like all these players start flooding the game. This is when the ad campaigns were really starting to hit mainstream media too, right? Like that's when you started having things like William Shatner and, and uh, Mr. T and Ozzy Osbourne and so many others, like just putting out commercials. You started getting airtime on radio stations, even for World of Warcraft. Like they really started investing and in pushing this as the MMO to play. Um, and so like it becoming and releasing as wrath classic, I thought it was just a matter of time and I'm glad to see that it released and I'm glad to see that people are really enjoying it. Is? I, it's a license to print money. They were going to do this. <laughs> I think that's just, yeah, let's, let's talk then about how they did it. I mean, I was not surprised that they, they didn't do the group finder, um, that they very deliberately did not bring the dungeon finding feature that came in in wrath into Wrath Classic, that they didn't bring it in in the beginning, and then they're not going to bring it in at all. Uh, Liz, you've talked a lot about the some changes mentality. We've seen quite a few some changes for Wrath Classic, not just the the uh, Dungeon Finder. They're changing the way gear scales. They're changing how long raids might be open. They're deliberately putting different tracks to get gear into dungeons with their, um, what do they call it, Heroic Plus? They called it something uh, they else. They started. They started calling it by calling it heroic plus, but now it's a Titan Rune dungeon. Yeah, Titan Rune dungeons. So, what do you think about that approach? How, how the changes they've made to Wrath in Wrath Classic? Uh, positive, negative? What, do you, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm positive on it. I think it's really interesting the way they're moving through the expansions, but they're trying to keep the feeling of classic, and it's like the feeling of classic is more important than the realistic you know, experience of classic and they're doing things to make seamless improvements to the game. Like I think all of us can probably agree. We really enjoyed playing during wrath. Anyone who played during wrath is going to see that as probably a high point in uh, world of Warcraft. It was a great expansion, 
but it did have problems. Like, for example, Ulduar, which was open for maybe, what, two months, three months before we got Trial of the Crusader, which had much better rewards, so you would not have completed Ulduar, but now there was no reason to. You went to Trial of the Crusader instead. And Ulduar was a way more interesting raid than Trial of the Crusader. I like, actually have a like, weird story about that. Because okay, my, my guild was doing Ulduar pretty heavily, and because they put out Trial of the Crusader, like most of the guilds on our server stopped doing Ulduar entirely. And that meant that the Realm First Yogg Zero and Realm First Algalon kills, no one had made them. And the Horde Guild that was the closest had completely abandoned Ulduar. Yeah, and so yeah. we, we went back into Ulduar with gear from Trial and got both of them. That's why I have the Death's Demise and That's uh, awesome. you know, the Celestial Defender uh, titles. Because we did that, and we would probably not have gotten those titles had they not put Ulduar out and then almost immediately followed it with with like a five man that had gear on par with it and you know a raid that had gear significantly better than it. Um and and that's always struck me as interesting. Uh I I feel like the biggest since you were talking about flaws, the biggest flaw that Wrath of Lich King had was runaway gear inflation. Hmm. By the end of that mm, expansion, your yeah. item level was almost twice what it started. What it at. was when yeah. you started. And and like I remember looking at Burning Crusade. Burning Crusade had some gear inflation, but but by the from the beginning to the end, uh, and it's hard to remember what the item levels actually were because they've changed it so many times. But I remember looking at at gear and thinking, okay, you got a significant like a 60-75% power increase by the end of this expansion from when you started and like when you first hit 70 in in Burning Crusade versus the end of the expansion when you're you're running Sunwell. By I mean, the time not- you, you I was going to say, we're not too far ICC, away from that, by the way, now. Yeah, no, I know. But, but when you're running ICC, you are, when you are ICC geared, you are literally almost twice as powerful as you were when you were running Nax. Like, we, we would go into Nax 10 with a group of four people and <laughs> destroy it just to see if we could get, like, certain trinkets for certain people. Uh, Nax 25, we would go in with, like, 10 people and annihilate it. Uh, to just trying to get people grim tall. And that's the other thing, armor pen. Armor pen. Oh my god, armor pen was awesome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think uh. you're you're definitely onto something there, Liz. About the, the there were things wrong with the expansion, and it, it's good to be able to make improvements. Uh, but I should note that some of the stuff we were talking about right there did not actually happen in 2022. The Alduar is going to come out with phase two, which is going to be early this year. I mm-hmm. I'm leaning towards this month. Well, yeah, actually, that's yeah. We should talk about that because that's actually in the email. Uh, Wrath Classic currently has their uh, Joyous Journeys buff. It's the XP buff. I think it's just 50% to all XP. Um, That's going until January 16th. And the reason that that's important is because we think if we're getting to January 16th, that would imply that they're trying to... The whole reason for Joyous Journeys is to allow people to get new characters up to level. Um, Maybe people decided, oh, I don't really like this character or I want to have some alts so I can choose what I bring to dungeons or what have you. The implication being that if they're ending it in the middle of January, then that's a good time for phase two to start because people will have, they will have their characters uh, presumably leveled up. Um, what do you guys think about like Alduar in, in Wrath Classic? How long do you think they should give Alduar? Is three months enough as long as the, as they don't like put out something that eclipses it? If Because people are probably going to clear Alduar a lot faster in Wrath Classic than they did on live servers back in the day. What, what are your thoughts? How long do you think this should this should be out? 
I mean, phases usually last three or four months, maybe before the next one. So I think, yeah, it's probably not, it's probably not going to last much longer than Ulduar originally did, except as you said, people are tearing through classic content way faster than they did it when it was live and new. So, I mean, I think people are going to clear Ulduar very quickly and they're going to want something new. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Joe? I agree with Liz. All right. Um, also should mention some other stuff while we're here. We, you're thinking Hearthstone Battlegrounds Season 3 was going to happen this month? I, I remember you said that. And I uh, it yeah, I think, I think that's almost certain that Season 3 is going to happen this month. They've been doing this thing where they could like rotate. It's like you release an expansion, and then you have a new Battleground season, and then you have a new mini set. They're kind of doing this sort of, sort of, sort of a set rotation there. So that means we we're gonna see a new Battleground season soon. Okay, but we don't have any idea when it's going to be. Uh, we don't have a specific date, but I am. We're betting on this month. All right. Uh, you should also mention the uh, Overwatch Battle for Olympus event. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's a bunch of Greek mythology-related skins can be can be gained. Um, that's starting this week, uh, January fifth, uh, is what you had written down. Yes, yes. So, and they, honestly, they this just, is one that makes me want to play Overwatch because I like those skins. They look really cool. But and some remember. of those skins, I think, I think the skins, a lot of them are just on the battle pass. It's kind of this whole mythical theme this season. So, it's is it on the the free track or the paid track? Uh, probably a mix of both. I'd have to go look. Uh, well, then that's unfortunate. Uh, Diablo three hellish holidays is going till, uh, next month. It'll be finally ending on February 5th, which implies that there might be a season change at that time. Um, if you want to talk about my favorite kind of battle pass like mechanic seasons for Diablo three are it because you don't pay anything extra and you get a lot of content. All you have to do is play through the season. Um, so yeah, that's that's probably my favorite of all these types of activities. Uh, we haven't heard much about the next season, have we? Because I, at least I haven't. No, they haven't announced it yet. But Diablo has always been kind of kind of cagey about it. Like they only announce it like a couple of weeks before it's going to happen. Yeah, like when the PTR is coming out, they usually yeah. tell you at that point, okay, we got the PTR coming out, and this is what you'd be testing. Yeah. So there's a good chance we'll see it on the PTR this month, late this month, maybe. Okay, that would be cool. Uh, before we move on and actually talk a little bit about WoW's long, strange journey of 2022, let's uh, briefly cover some of the stuff that's happening this, you know, fairly soon, like today or this week. Um, if if you're on right now, uh, as we record this, it's Tuesday. Um, LFR Wing Two is now open, um, and we're being told that the Inspiration Catalyst is coming out this month. Wowheads, I went and looked it up in Wowhead, and they say January 17th in North America and 18th in the EU, but other sites have, have said the 23rd. Of yeah, I see Vane says the 23rd, and I had thought it was the 23rd, so now I, I'm not sure. I, I, also, I also thought it was originally the 23rd, because we were just talking about that in Guild. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've uh, not just those places either. I've actually seen other places say the 23rd. I think Blizzplanet did at one point. Uh, so yeah, but if you don't know what the Inspiration Catalyst is, it's essentially the same as what we saw in Zareth Mortis, where you can basically take gear uh, and trade it for tier gear to get your tier set, even if you're not like actually getting it in the raids. Um, and I wanted to actually bring that up because it actually leads us into talking about 2022 in terms of what we got, which was essentially we got Zareth Mortis. Um, that was the last major patch for... Uh, for uh, Shadowlands. And then we got Shadowlands Season 4, which was essentially 
okay, we don't have any new raids for you. We don't have any new content as such. But what we do have is we're going to change up mythic dungeons and, and put new ones in the rotation. And every raid is going to suddenly become relevant so that you can run, say, the first raid of the expansion and get gear on par with the gear that's going to be dropping in the last raid of the expansion. You guys were actually raiding when that season was up. I, I was not fully back in the WoW yet like I am now. So I'm going to ask you guys, season f- season four in Zareth Mortis, what were, your, what were your takes on those? What do you feel like they, they did for, for uh, Shadowlands? How do you feel like they set up for Dragonflight? And I'm going to start with Liz because, I mean, you got to start with somebody. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm going to talk about Xerath Mortis, and Joe can talk about Season 4. Yeah? Yeah, that's what we're doing. Do what you want. I, <laughs> I, I'm talking first. I'm taking control. I'm mad with power. Uh, Xerath Mortis, I thought, was great because it gave us this new zone, but it felt a lot less punishing than some of the other in-game zones. Like, if we look back to Argus, if we look back even to Corthia earlier in, uh, earlier in Shadowlands, if we look back to Mechagun... These were very demanding zones that required you to spend a lot of time, that were full of power upgrades, that were full of very powerful mobs that would kick you in the face, like there's a real risk of death by going to these places. And you really had to, you had to work. It It was an extensive effort to go into these zones and work hard enough to get all of the game rewards you wanted. But Xerath Mortis was very low key. It had... It had rewards, it had things you want to do, but uh, one of the big things, you could fly there, not immediately, but you could unlock flying there, which is a first for uh, end-game zones in in World of Warcraft. And uh, that was kind of revolutionary. It's like you can just go in there, do some achievements, then you can fly around. And there were rares to there were rares to kill. You could get some gear. You could, through the creation catalyst, upgrade your gear. You could collect all sorts of cosmetics and pets. And you had your little robot friend who you could put hats on. I mean, there were all sorts of cool things there. But essentially, a lot of it was optional. Like you didn't have to go there. And it was full of threats, but like you could walk down the road and get where you needed to go without horrible things coming and killing you. And it was just, it's a very low-key zone where you kind of explored, you found rares, and you could go and do things, but you didn't have to do things. And I think that's really, I think that's a philosophy that we've seen come forward in Dragonflight, where there's a lot of exploration. There's a lot of content you can do, but don't have to do. Of course, there's a lot of content you have to do or should do to advance. But just there's a lot of, you know, fun, interesting things to explore and look at. And uh, I really like Xerath Mortis. I think it's the best in-game zone. Blizzard has ever put out. And I mean, it had its flaws too. I think that was a design philosophy that we've seen come forward into Dragonflight. All right. Uh, Joe, do you mind talking about season four? Sure. So season four added something which we had not seen before, which was in this case, the faded raids where you'd like you pointed out earlier, there'd be modifiers that you would go through and it would add different mechanics to the boss fights. Very similar to, Excuse me, very similar to like Mythic Plus almost uh, when you're doing Mythic Plus dungeons. It was surprisingly fun. So I liked the idea of going into a raid and having some of the older content be refreshed and being able to do something with my raiding guild at the time uh, that we hadn't been able to do before. Because usually what winds up happening at the end of an expansion is we'll do all of our achievement runs, which we still did, but then we're just kind of done for until the next expansion comes out 
you know, because there's really not much else to do. And we all kind of just scattered to the winds for for a little while. But we went through together more frequently, uh, did all of these, went through and did all of the the dungeons or sorry, all the raids, uh, made sure we had all of that sorted. Uh, and it was just a ton of fun. It was surprisingly entertaining. And the gear, the gear was fine. Like that was, but that wasn't really the point of it. But also being able to go in every week and the boss is having a different mechanic potentially was was interesting as well. So you might have had uh, ads that needed to be burned down that would spawn randomly one week on one boss. And then the next week it might be a shield orb or or it might be things that have to be dispelled and caught, which were simple mechanics. And but adding them to already like I don't want to say complex because right, they weren't too bad, but doing like ball catching on Anduin was, you know entertaining to say the very least i liked it i thought it was a really cool change of pace and i'm kind of hoping that they they continue that forward because it it not only just adds longevity to the content but it's just fun cool thank you uh i I think at this point oh liz you i want to i want to make a suggestion for the next time they do a season force type thing i think they should give all the bosses unique hats yes hats i agree to go uh, you know, uh, during Winter's Vales. You didn't know I was <laughs> bringing my chapeau of death. <laughs> during Winter's Vale, all of the bosses in uh, in Vault of the Incarnates were wearing Christmas hats, and it was great. It made the raid so much better. I'm sad that it's gone. So next time you want to shake up, spice up the raids, give everyone a hat. It'd be great. Hats are important. to talk a little bit about Dragonflight. Um, Shadowlands, some people loved it, some people hated it, some people just didn't really understand what was going on. Um, I did. I actually thought the storytelling was some of the best part of, of, of Shadowlands, but I get why some people were very confused by it. I do think that Dragonflight's going a long way towards making uh, content more accessible and, and you know because you don't have to worry too much about, okay, wait a minute, which uh, Goldon is this? Or are any of the Goldons <laughs> here? Or what have you. Uh, but I did want to talk about the the really surprising content release schedule that we got at the end of 2022 for Dragonflight. Um, I was not expecting for them to to, to announce six patches, uh, two of which are major patches. Um, that would that was they've never done that. I can't remember a single time in the entire history of my playing World of Warcraft where they have sat down and laid out the entire next year. Uh, and you guys have been covering it as long as I have. Do you guys ever, have you ever seen anything like this? Have I forgotten something? They've never done this. This is new. So what are your thoughts on that? Cause I think it, it might be the most important change in messaging that blizzard has ever made, at least as far as world of Warcraft is concerned. I think it I is. Mean, in- uh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> go Joe, you go. I keep talking and you've been coming second. So you, you get this one. I think it is. One, an incredible amount of transparency, and I am absolutely here for it. I I am shocked that they did that. I'm happy that they did it, but I am shocked. Um, I would love to see more transparency like that when it comes to uh, roadmaps. And obviously things can change. Like anybody who's worked with software development or worked in, in any sort of field that has a runway Things can shift, things can change, plans can change, but knowing what they're working on and knowing what to expect in like milestones is absolutely wonderful. 
Like, I really like it. Please? One of the things WoW has always been really bad at is patch cadence. You know, we get expansions where they put a patch out really fast, like one or two months after release, and then they put out a second patch really, really fast, and then they put out a third patch really, really fast, and then we have a year and a half of nothing to do. And that's I miss a Fandaria. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's always kind of a bummer when they're doing great content that you really enjoy, and then there's just this dead space. For a very long time, they've promised to do better about content releases, to get expansions and content out faster, and they have never done that. They keep making promises like this, and it's never happened. So I'm really glad to see them thinking, really thinking about, okay, this is how we're breaking out patches this year. This is the kind of content, and doing more smaller patches. We have 2.5 patches and 2.7 patches that are on this roadmap that are smaller. They're going to have content, but they're not going to have as much content. And I think that's a good idea to break these up a little more. So there's always something going on. And that's the thing. It breaks out new content for every season of the year. So we're always going to have something new to do. I love it. I hope they can stick to it. But if they don't, I'm glad that they're trying. They're making a big effort here. Yeah. I, one of the things that I thought was interesting was that basically the reason I mentioned Mr. Pandaria is, is Mr. Pandaria was the last time that they had like a I wouldn't say they were going too fast, although it did feel really fast at the time, but they were had a pretty rhythmic cadence to their patch drops right up until Siege of Orgrimmar. They dropped Siege of Orgrimmar, and then we were there for, I think, 18 months? Some crazy long amount long of time. time. Yeah. Long so, time. So yeah, this this definitely... Um, I don't know how long this expansion is going to be around because you know usually they take about two years. They, I don't think they've ever gotten that down below that i don't think we've ever gotten a one-year expansion uh so i expect that we'll have another year after this or at least most of another year but it's still interesting to see them lay out everything they're going to do any let me think of what else do we have anything else here covered all of that stuff uh yeah let's talk we then we can we can now move on to diablo 4's release date because that was something that we hadn't gotten and hadn't gotten and hadn't gotten and hadn't gotten for a very long time um, and it was finally announced this year. I don't remember exactly when it was. Was it during the Game Awards? Like when was the yeah. actual? Yeah, it was during the Game Awards. The actual release date for Diablo Four came out after a couple months after they'd done the Necromancer trailer, which was them saying, "Okay, we've got the final class. It's going to be the Necromancer." So now we know what classes will be available, and now here's here's the release date, uh, June of 2024. Um, do you guys feel like that's a like? That's Do you think it's going to be 20, ready? 2023. Yeah. Sorry. I said 2024. Because it's 6-6. Six, six, like- six, six, and then 2 times 3 is 6. It's Diablo, baby! <laughs> like, yeah, it's weird. Uh, they do like they do like doing that. They like yeah. doing that. But, you know, what do you guys... How are you, You've been reading the uh, dev water cooler type things. You've been looking at the stuff they've been putting out. I mean, I don't think any of us were surprised that it didn't come out earlier. Especially after the previous couple of years and what's been going on at blizzard um you don't lose this many people from your you know your, the higher ups of your dev team and not have delays uh that's just not gonna happen but are you feeling how you feeling good about its release are you feeling like it's too soon what are your thoughts uh, i'm gonna go with joe again because liz pointed out i've been picking her a lot uh it doesn't have an auction house for real money so that's already a win in my book um, oh you didn't hear about that <laughs> Um, honestly, I've been following the dev diaries. Like you said, I've been, I've been following the content that they've 
been sort of uh, letting us know is coming. And honestly, I'm cautiously optimistic. Like I, I'm trying not to get into my own, like, Oh, I, I can't wait for this game. Cause I, I don't want to be let down, but I also don't know that I'm going to be let down. I think it's going to be, it has the potential to be a very good, very solid Diablo release. And I'm looking forward to it. I like the stuff that they're doing. I like the, uh, the, the way that the classes seem to be shaping up. I like what I'm seeing from the story, at least teasers so far, because that's a thing. And uh, we've talked about that on, on Lore Watch a bit. So I just I'm, I'm excited. I think it's it has some really good, solid potential. Liz? Um, I think the battle pass system they're doing is very interesting. And more than any of the other battle passes that we've talked about, I think it's been really informed by the other battle passes Blizzard has done and the reaction to them, particularly Diablo Immortal, which Diablo 4 has tried really hard to distance itself from Immortal and to say, hey, we aren't like that. We're not like Immortal. Oh, hey, we're not like Overwatch. We're not doing any of this stuff and say, okay, all of the battle pass rewards are cosmetic. You, If you pay for battle pass rewards, you're not going to get any extra power, you'll get more cosmetics, but no power, no content is locked behind the battle pass. Everyone will get seasonal content for free, just like they do now, but you can play through the battle pass to get some rewards and pay for the paid battle pass to get more cosmetics. And even then, it's like the cosmetics you can unlock on the battle pass. It's not like those are going to be the only cosmetics. The, you're going to have your transmog, you're going to have mm-hmm. cool looks you can get in the game. But you can also pay and unlock these cool cosmetics. And I think I think Diablo 4 is onto a really good thing. I hope they could pull it off. Kind of a combination of the Diablo 3 seasonal approach and, you know, the traditional battle pass. They're trying to have it both ways to walk a line between there. And so far, it sounds good. Yeah, he's hoping that it is actually good because, quite frankly, if it isn't good, I'm just going to be destroyed. Just boom, destroyed. My entire My entire health and sanity is on this blizzard. No pressure. All I can hear is Hathaway playing in the background. Please don't hurt me. Don't hurt me mm-hmm. no more. <laughs> but I think at this point, we've kind of talked a good a good amount about all the various things Blizzard has been up to. And now we're going to kind of move on to the industry as a whole, although I don't think we're going to get through all of these things. Um, first thing I actually want to bring up is like some, some fast stuff. Uh, that's, do you guys remember that Stadia died this year? Yeah. Google Stadia. That happened this year. They, they they died this year. It feels like that was a hundred years ago, um, but no, it was this year. Um, E3 also canceled this year. Supposedly canceled forever, but yeah, we're getting one in 2023. So yeah, your guess is as good as mine. And the final thing that I'm going to bring up is well, I'm not going to bring up the Wordle thing. Eh, no one cares. Uh, does anyone care about Wordle anymore? Because Wordle uh, was huge uh, at the beginning of the of the year. Remember how big Wordle was? I think people still care about Wordle. And yeah. one of the one of the reasons I can tell that was in the Blizzard Watch Discord, I made a thread for people to talk about Wordle. And threads will automatically archive themselves if no one talks in them for like a week. And that thread still going. And never uh, been archived, I guess. Never been archived. And also the the, the amount of spin-offs that happen from it too. Like yeah. like Hurdle is one of my one of my favorites, thanks to the uh, significant other pointed out to me. It's it's music, but you get like you have to guess the song based off of like X amount of time. It's 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 big. It's a thing. Yeah, keep in mind that Wordle got bought by the New York Times, which almost immediately destroyed any use I had for it. Um, but yeah, that happened this year as well. And finally, the Steam Deck actually came out. Yeah, in October of 2022, even though it was supposedly going to be out in 2021. 
Um, but it's out, and it has it has a dev cycle now too. Like they they yeah. they they roadmap themselves for the recently as well. Yeah, and it sold like over a million units since October, and it's still continuing to sell. Like it's moving. Yeah. It is moving. Yeah, people are buying Steam decks, and I think part of the part of that is obviously the fact that Steam Deck games are basically just games from Steam. So you can play them on your well, computer or your Steam Deck. Although I know that there's differences. I do know that. I was going to say, also, people have figured out how to load uh, other stuff on it. So, like, emulation of uh, retro games is capable on it. And it's a super good machine for it, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because, like, things like uh, EmuStation and uh, RetroArch are applications you can download through Steam already. So you can literally just sideload everything and, and go that route. People have also figured out how to install web browsers onto the device so that they can go ahead and play Game Pass on it as well because Game Pass is technically gated from it. Um, so like it's it's interesting to the point where I'm even considering picking one up. And- the thing about it too is one of the people made the point that one of the things about the Steam Deck is uh, – it's available and you can get it. Whereas like games like just some other consoles, like say the PlayStation five uh, in the Xbox to a lesser degree, you still kind of have to, you know, perform occult rituals to get your hands on one of them and pay more because those, those consoles, their prices have increased. Whereas the, yeah. the base level of the steam deck, which comes with, I think it's a 64 gig hard drive is $400 and you get it delivered within two weeks. So yeah, that's also possibly why it's, it's out, but that's some stuff to mention that happened this year. Uh, Cause this year was also the year of games getting pushed back to 2023. Um, a lot of games that were supposed to come out in 2022 got pushed back to 2023. I, I listed a few here, but it's not even half of the ones I mentioned. The ones I mentioned are Starfield, uh, Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, Ark Raiders, the Avatar Frontiers of, Pan- of Pandora game, Forspoken, a game I'm really looking forward to, Hogwarts Legacy, a game I'm not, uh, Redfall, Kerbal Space Program 2, uh, and, you know, uh, obviously Skull and Bones, because, yeah, I don't know if we're ever going to actually get Skull and Bones, guys. <laughs> the game has been, like, they've been working on the game since 2016. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every year I've been told Skull and Bones is next year. It's it's practically the Duke Nukem Forever of pirate games. <laughs> also, I'm very sorry I mentioned Duke Nukem Forever. But uh, either of you, was there anything you were watching that got pushed back to 2023? Oxen free to lost signals. Uh, Night School Studio makes a lot of good like adventure games. Uh, Oxen uh, Oxen free was just a fantastic game that came out many many years ago. Uh, and Oxen free two was announced a long time ago and just keeps getting pushed back. Uh, and now it's pushing it back to 2023. But I'm excited for it to hopefully finally be released because it's one that I've been looking forward to for a while now. All right, Liz, anything that you were hoping to see and then didn't get to? Uh, Not really, because, you know, I was talking during the pre-show about how I don't get into all of the teasers and early hype. I, like, really genuinely kind of, like, try to ignore the hype until the game is here, because, like, I don't don't care about the hype. I just want to play the game. So usually I just kind of float along and I'm chill and I don't, I may not even know when release dates are. And then the game is out and I can play it and that's great. Or sometimes it's not great if the game is disappointing. But by not jumping onto the hype bandwagon, I feel like I'm in a good place here. So I don't even know what was delayed until 2023 until you sent this list out. And it's like, oh, that is that is kind of a lot of games. 
That's not even half of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, sure. I was just like, okay, if I cannot list every game because we'll just be here. I, I honestly, I was disappointed about Redfall because mm. Ar- Arcane does some really interesting things. I think Prey was one of the better games that's been out in a few years. Uh, I don't think you can say much against it. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, I was hoping to get to see what they're doing with their vampire, their vampire battle royale game. Uh, not that I necessarily all that interested in vampires, but, but Redfall was by Arcane and I was willing to give them a shot. So, um, also straight up the legend of Zelda tears of the kingdom looks amazing. Yes. I don't even like the legend of Zelda series as it currently stands, but that game looks amazing. Uh, but yeah, also, uh, I think we kind of have to talk about the whole Microsoft thing. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Microsoft has been trying to buy Activision blizzard. They made an offer. The board of Activision accepted the offer and now I, I don't remember if it's the FTC or the SEC. Is it the, the FTC. SEC? No, it's the FTC. FT. Okay. FT. The FTC has basically filed suit saying, no, uh, you can't buy Activision because it's just going to be way too big an impact on the industry. And you're going to have just too much power. Uh, basically, a lot of people are talking about exclusivity of, of games, but that's not the issue here, at least not for the FTC. The FTC's point is that they're going to stifle innovation because they're going to be basically this gigantic dog. And also that nobody knows the effects of a company as big as the one Microsoft will be when it buys all of Activision Blizzard stuff in terms of its its Game Pass type stuff, its streaming services, and its, you know, pay this many, pay this much a month prescri- subscription fee get all these games like it could become so dominant that nobody else can compete with them disney would uh, like a word with them yeah yeah well <laughs> disney's disney's got a lot of lawyers too um so we'll see I what mean, happens with all this but it is interesting to see the suit filed both uh activision blizzard and microsoft have basically said yeah yeah we're, we're gonna we're still gonna do it uh so I mean, one of the things that the FTC is concerned about, and also the EU, also the UK, they haven't uh, stepped in to stop it, but they're doing investigations, is that, uh, you know, it's going to kill other game other game companies because they could make everything all of these developers make platform-specific and exclusive, which Microsoft is like, oh, no, we're not going to do exclusive games. Look, we're offering these generous deals to Sony. We could, we're offering a deal to Nintendo to where they can use all of our games. We're going to release them on multiple platforms. But one of the things is that when Blizz- that when Microsoft bought ZeniMax, which owns Bethesda, owns Arcane, owns a lot of gaming studios, they also said that. They said, oh, we're going to keep releasing ZeniMax games on other platforms. Don't worry about this, regulators. We're not stifling competition. We're not trying to build a, monopol- a monopoly of game developers here. And then they went ahead and made ZeniMax games only for Microsoft platforms. So I think a lot of regulators are kind of wary of that in that they've previously made this promise and broken it as soon as they could. And just having one giant game company that makes so many games is, I mean, I think it's worrying as much as all of us kind of think that Microsoft is going to save Blizzard. It's it's worrying to have so much consolidated. Oh, oh, in I, mean, one place. I don't think that. I just want to make sure that everyone knows I do not think that. I do not think Microsoft <laughs> saves anybody. My, that's like saying, you know, we're in trouble here. Who can we get to help us? The Avengers? No. What about Dr. Doom? I want to ask Dr. Doom. Dr. Doom looks like he could help us. He looks like he knows about these kind of things. I mean, to be fair, oh. he usually does. 
Yes, because he's usually the one doing them. <laughs> just saying, Microsoft yeah. is not your friend, yeah, man. It, yeah, giant, giant corporations are not your friend. Just look at the lessons of uh, cyberpunk. They're 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 prophecy. They're <laughs> um, although regardless, I, yeah, that's that's a big deal this it, year. Uh, well, whole- hold on. Before we move on from Microsoft, there is another thing, real quick, especially with Zenimax, and I want to bring this up because uh, Tatsumi brought this up. Padilla in chat. Uh, Zenimax workers won their election to make them the first official bargaining unit of Microsoft and the largest certified video game studio union in the U.S. And Microsoft has uh, basically uh, voluntarily recognized them. Like there's there's no like they're not fighting it like certain other companies are doing. So mm, that's interesting. And I, I wonder how much of that is because they only have regulators watching them. I I also feel like. They, they have to see where the wind is blowing. There's more unionization efforts and companies trying to stop those have been getting bad press. And like, this is not going to stop. I don't think, I think unionization has started to get this push and it's just going to get bigger. So if you try yeah. and halt it, you're not going to, you can't stand against this wave. That's but actually interesting I, to do because that's really something that started in 2021 but has carried through into 2022. We've seen a lot of industry unionization over the past two years. And hopefully more on the way. Yeah. It definitely is something that we could, that we definitely need to see more of in, in the, I mean, traditionally game developers and QA people have just been treated really badly. They're poorly paid offices demand really long hours. They demand crunch. They demand that you come and work on this game above your family, above your friends, above your life, above your health. And it's like, that just doesn't work. It's like we, all of us are gamers. We love playing games, but people should not have to suffer in order to make those games. So yes, game unionization efforts are great, particularly when game companies are making billions of dollars in profit. You know, Activision Blizzard had its most profitable year ever, I think. Am mm-hmm. I getting that wrong? Yeah, yeah. No, you're correct. And, uh, you know, they're paying their workers terribly. They have had terrible working conditions for these. They're one of, they compared, just compared to the rest of the industry, Activision Blizzard does not pay good salaries, does not even pay competitive salaries. They kind of count on, you know, the fans really want to work for Blizzard because Blizzard is so cool and we don't, yeah, we don't have to pay as much because, you know, people just want to work for us. We're cool. We're great. And that's just situation when the the executives are making tons of cash and the people actually making the video games get nothing but long hours and low pay so mm-hmm. yeah especially, workers, when, especially when a game company is headquartered in california let's let us be completely in, fair here and where they where their, where their station is not cheap to live even by california standards where they are is not cheap yeah it is just it is simply i mean there are game companies that that have headquarters in places like Texas that is not much better for the regions that they're in, but California is notoriously hard to live in in terms of expense. And Blizzard is in Anaheim. You know, um, I'm sorry. Irvine. Eventually, you have to. Yeah, Irvine. You still have to. You have to pay enough for people to live somewhere in the region of your, especially in a place that does not have a lot of mass transit. I mean, just my God. Uh, we could talk about Ubisoft here, but anyway. Whew, okay. Um. That's all. That's something that we're going to have to watch in the in 2023. Uh, I do want to mention briefly the tide of fantasy RPGs this year. There were a lot of of RPGs this year. Um, some of them action RPGs like Elden Ring, which 
I think Elden Ring earned the title of most dominant game of 2022, despite coming out in February and coming out once again, proving that horizons, the horizon zero dawn franchise is cursed (laughs) because every time they put out a game, somebody puts out another enormous game or two right around the same time. Uh, I remember when horizon zero dawn came out and I think both, uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and Red Dead Redemption 2 came out within a, a couple months and just utterly pushed people you know, forgot they forgot entirely about Horizon for quite some time. This this time it was Elden Ring which just came out and just absolutely dominated everything. Um but there were like tons of RPGs. There was like the Pathfinder game put out its second year of DLC. Baldur's Gate 3 has been in open access for a while. There were like games like Expeditions Rome, Triangle Strategy, uh, you know, there was Elex 2, Steel Rising, Tunic, Hard West, a ton of RPGs. Um I don't I, I I feel like that's a pen and paper thing has has kind of reached into gaming again. Like I feel like it's sort of the D D effect that we saw back in the day with the original Baldur's Gate and we saw with the gold box games even before that. Uh, what do you guys think? Are you think we're going to see even more of them? You think we're going to see more branded ones? You think we're going to see like is are we going to get a Baldur's Gate four at some point? What do you think is going to happen after after twenty twenty three? Baldur's Gate four is going to be a long ways off. Baldur's Gate three is going to be so massive, and they're going to probably do continued development on it. Mm-hmm. But well, that's actually true because Diablo four is getting continued development as well. Yeah, and I think we're going to see more games start moving into that sort of a model. Um, but there will probably be, I, in my opinion, another influx of like CRPGs, like they're popular again. And we talked about this before where like it's game development seems to work in cycles. And like while a genre never really truly dies, it sort of like falls out of the limelight and maybe doesn't have as many games or titles like being pushed for it. But as soon as something starts gaining popularity, like let's look at roguelikes and uh, rogue lights over the last like decade. Uh, we talked about dead cells earlier and, and games like that. How many of those came out in a short period of time, right? Or Metroidvanias and things like that. So CRPGs hitting their stride last year, I think is really going to mean that we're just going to get more. Uh, and I am perfectly fine with that. I think, I, I think that them having a resurgence is a good thing overall. All right, Liz. No thoughts. Okay. Uh, then at this point, <sighs> I mean, there's so much more to talk about, but it's we do have to at some point try and wrap this thing up. We're already two minutes over. Uh, I will say then I'm going to bring this up. I'd like to ask each of you, the game that you that came out this year that you played that you felt like, yeah, I, I th- this one was a really good one to play. This was my, not necessarily game of the year, but just something good that came out this year. Because I... I I have a couple that I really liked quite a few actually. And I was curious as to your thoughts on stuff that came out this year that you enjoyed, that you got to enjoy. Cause it's really hard for me to play new games. Cause there's the whole, I have so many old games to play. Um, you know, I, I have replays of the same game since 2020. I, I got to keep playing that game forever. Uh, and you know, so for me, I'm curious, uh, going to start with Liz. Uh, I also have that problem in that I play a lot of old games or, I just get into games that were released several years ago, like uh, in 2022. I did this whole long playthrough of all of the Dishonored games, even though there's been nothing happening there in years. But, you know, I 
I have to say Dragonflight. Dragonflight blew me away in a way a WoW expansion has not done. I don't know, maybe since Burning Crusade or Wrath? I I thought Dragonflight has been revolutionary. It's been so amazing. It's so packed with these stories. And I I have not enjoyed a, a new game this much in a very long time. Okay, I, I would definitely agree with you that this is one of the best expansions I've played in. Uh, Joe? I mean, I agree with Dragonflight being... Like, I knew that I was going to enjoy it because I always enjoy a new one when it's released, but it's just kind of how it goes. But I was surprised with how much I'm really, truly enjoying this this expansion. Um, other games that released that I was very happy with in uh, 2022, uh, God of War Ragnarok. Uh, I'm still playing through it because I, what is time? Who has time? Um, so slowly making my way through it. But I've been very pleased with how the game developed because I was always curious where they were going to go after the first game, like how it was going to look, what they were going to do with the story and, and what was going to happen. And I'm super, super excited with, with how good that's been. Um, Bayonetta three finally released, which I like those type of games. The devil may cries, the, the Bayonetta's the, the sort of actiony, like button mashing, combo games. Sometimes they're just fun. Uh, and, despite it coming out on an aging console because the switch is what, like six years old at this point, seven years old at this point. Uh, it still was, it's still fun and, and, uh, you know, great to play. And, uh, it's the end of the year was just a really good time for video games in general. Uh, so there's, there's a ton of, uh, ton of surprises that, uh, one that I, I didn't expect to like as much because I generally don't like first person shooters, but really surprised me, and it's on Game Pass now, is uh, High on Life, uh, which is another game from uh, Squanch Games, which is the, mm-hmm. the people that make uh, Rick and Morty. And it's surprisingly competent and surprisingly well done and has a ton of like hidden stuff in it. So things like that. I, I don't know. There's just been too many games. But yeah. Just that times. is the problem. There has been too many games. People keep saying, oh, no, everything got pushed back, but there were still so many games. Yeah, with uh, with everything any pushback, there's still too many games. Like I would say, I mean, if if you get a chance to play Weird West, Weird West do is it. fun. Yeah, Weird West is a really good game. Uh, Horizons Forbidden West is probably my favorite of 2022 of games that were released. And um, I have not finished it yet because my PlayStation Four is floating away somewhere in this house. But the amount I got to play of it before we moved, uh, I was really digging it. Uh, there's the interesting story. Um, the acting is just amazing. As always, uh, I was really kind of just, I just, I want Aloy to finally get a break. It's like, could someone just give Aloy a break? Oh my <laughs> God. But yeah, so that, that would be my game of the year. Uh, but I guess at this point, since I'm not going to talk about that Mass Effect thing, because it turned out it was, it was not the hit I thought it was going to be. Um, we're going to, I guess, wrap it up. Uh, you guys have anything else you want to talk about for 2023? Because we are leaving, 2022s, we're leaving so much out. Um, I didn't even mention that Platinum Studios made a game no one liked. I didn't think they could do that. Uh, and then they put out Babylon's Fall, and you don't hear anything about it, and it just sank like a stone. Like, seriously, Platinum Games? They did that? Really? Oh, okay. Uh, either of you got anything else for 2022 before we move on? No, I mean, that was a surprise. Mm, this, was, this this was the year that we got a game about a cat and its Android friend with Stray. Oh, fact, Stray! That was, that was oh, actually- my God! It was actually also a really good game, which yes. I, I completely forgot about until right the now. The narrative in Stray is so weird and so well done. 
Yeah, we just like, talked I, about that on Lure Watch. Man. It just, ooh, I mean, I, I, I did not know that all I'd wanted in life was a game about a cat and its robot friend that was going to make me cry. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, that was, it's like a short game. It's a short little narrative game. Yeah, but like, I, that one was really hours? fun and really, uh, maybe 10. I think I probably spent about 10 or 12 wandering around. Yeah, I didn't that, play Stray, but I watched one. people play Stray. Like, I watched every Stray playthrough I could get my hands on. I was like, this is the best thing. Oh, God, I need to play this. And then just never did. Meant to, but didn't. <sighs> Which is like me with games all the time. Well, right, there's too many, many games. games. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> Way of games. too many games. I will Only one game that I will absolutely never play, and it's Overcooked. Never going to do it. <laughs> never. Because it ends relationships. It ends friendship. <laughs> it is the death of hope. Don't play Overcooked. It's an amazing game, but don't play it. It will destroy your life. Um, I've watched people play that game, and I'm like, I'm not getting anywhere near that. Uh, but yeah, that's so that's 2022 in a nutshell. And it, right now, it's it's banging on the inside of the shell and going, let me out. Uh, but but you're done, 2022. Just just accept it. Go to sleep. Uh, we're gonna we're hopefully gonna have a a better year, uh, or at least a less that year. <laughs> the entire 2020s, the entire decade so far listen, has just not been great. Listen, 2021 was just 2020 with a with a different mask. 2022 was 2020 with a different mask again, and no, we no, fell it for it. No, no, it was 2022. Listen, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, <laughs> shame on you again. No! It it's been a horrible, <laughs> it's been a horrible quest. Let's let things get better. But uh, yeah, this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. Um, we didn't get on to any emails, but we will roll them into next week because we, we love you and your questions. Please, please ask more of them. Uh, if you have a question for us, you can go to our Discord server. Uh, you can hit the Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel if you're a patron. We you know like to use Patreon questions first because that is one of the things that you get for being a patron. I mean, you know, it helps us keep doing this podcast and indeed everything we do, including the entire site. Uh, but if you're not a patron and you still want to ask us questions, you can either uh, go to the Q and podcast questions channel, which is for non-patrons and you can absolutely ask us questions there, or you can email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com, the subject line podcast or blizzard watch, and we will get them from there. Uh, I'm going to sit right now, have Joe do his outro because we're, going to wrap up after that all right well folks blizzard watch is made possible due to the generous contributions of patreon.com slash blizzard watch your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow blizzard watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast better chance of having your question answered on our podcast for the queue and an ads free site experience thank you very much joe uh, again this has been the blizzard watch podcast thank you guys so much for being here uh thank you to both joe and Liz for being here and making it a show and not just a crazy person in his underwear talking for an hour by himself. Um, if you're going to come on back next week, we'll be here too. So, and in fact, even if you don't, but we'd like it if you did, because you know, again, I don't want this to just be a crazy person talking. I even put on pants for this. So <laughs> thank you guys. Uh, talk to you later. Uh, have a good, have a good 2023. I really hope you do. I hope all of us do. That'd yeah. be great. Yeah. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? 
Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.